0: Are you a pastor or ministry leader? Are you thinking of making a transition from your current ministry position? Before you do, take some time in a quiet place to reconnect with God. Focus on the Family Canada has designed a renewal retreat for couples in ministry. Come visit us at Carith Retreats, a quiet sanctuary where you can receive from God and deepen
1: your connection to Him, your spouse, and your calling. Find rest, find renewal, find reconnection with God. Find out more at carithretreats.ca. Jesus says, Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that speaks so much to me, because I burden myself all the time with so many of these things that God is not putting on me. I am carrying burdens that He didn't intend for me to carry. So yes, being a mom is hard, um, but I think that God wants to lift our burdens
0: That's Becky Bodwin, and she joins us today on Focus on the Family. Uh, Your host is Focus president and author Jim Daly, and
2: I'm John Fuller. You know, John, parenting can be so rewarding. Uh, Some people will say it's rewarding in the long run. The best advice that Gene and I received was just enjoy each season, because it it can be all enjoyable. Now, the terrible twos was, yeah, maybe not that enjoyable. (laughs) But I get the point. Just be on the ride and enjoy it as you go through it, even with the ups and downs. And there are days that you're in the trenches and feeling like, are you serious? Is this ever going to end? Whatever it might be, the teenage years or the diaper years, it doesn't matter. But uh, we want to be a voice of encouragement to the parents. And we want to uh, have you listen to a guest that I know is going to really speak to every mom's heart. And she's written this wonderful book, Enjoy Every Minute – and uh somewhat sarcastically maybe i don't know we'll find out but uh, our guest has really put a lot of thought into the mommy burden and the mommy joy and i'm looking forward to our discussion well,
0: and the subtitle jim i think uh, does give a little bit more contour to it enjoy every minute and other ridiculous things we say to moms right <laughs> there you have it's, it it's uh it's a great book that becky has written and uh, we're looking forward to the conversation as uh, as that book provides the springboard for what we talk about today. Get your copy of Enjoy Every Minute and Other Ridiculous Things We Say to Moms at focusonthefamily.ca. Becky, welcome
2: to Focus. This is your first time.
1: It is. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here.
2: And you're coming from Chicago, that Chicago area, area. So That's yeah. great. We love our friends in Chicago. We have many yeah. that listen to Focus on the Family. So you started writing about uh, things strangers would say to you <laughs> that sometimes uh, obviously didn't sit well with you. Speak to that motivation to write this book based on those. Idioms that people were throwing your way as a young mom.
1: Yeah, well, the big one is the the title of the book, and I probably heard this like a hundred times yeah, when my kids were little. Times. You know, like in the grocery store or when I'm out walking with my kids, and it would always be moms who were a little further down the road than me, and they would see my girls and start to reminisce. Which I want to point out the difference between reminiscing and really remembering. I think when you really remember, you're remembering the whole scope of the good days and the hard days. Yeah. But they would reminisce, and it's really to indulge in the enjoyable recollection of past events. So they would strike up a conversation and say, oh, your girls are so cute. And then they would say something like, you know, my, my little Susie's now in college. And then right. I knew they were going to say, enjoy every minute because the time goes so fast. And It's very well-intentioned, and when you're looking back on it, I really get that now because my girls are older. But as a young mom who was really tired and overwhelmed, I would think, I know I should be enjoying every minute, but some... Mm moments are really hard so it's kind of
2: interesting it added a dose of guilt yeah and like kind of negative
1: self-talk you know like what's wrong with me i should this is harder than i thought it would be some days
2: yeah Yeah. i could see how that i mean we heard the same thing with our boys you know enjoy every minute i did think that piece of advice was good it was more like you know every phase is a good phase yeah And it doesn't always feel like that. No. Because especially when they're young, and I mean, all you're doing is laundry and feeding and cleaning and wiping and diapers, and you're going, really? This is overwhelming, right? right?" But you then look back on it and the charming things that took place, the cooing you know, I remember yeah. Troy used to sleep on my chest almost mm. every night. Uh-huh. You know, Jean would feed him Aww. and he'd come over and he was such a peanut. I mean, he was probably all of what 20 inches Long and he'd lay on my chest and yeah. I'd watch the news and I just loved it.
1: Yeah, those are the uh, moments we would want to go back to. Yeah, those yeah. are the moments. Yes. The
2: dirty diapers, not so much. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and like we had something happen recently. We were in a, um, a very nice restaurant and there was a family with young children and the little boy had a complete meltdown. Yes. Like, the dad had to pick him up and carry him to the bathroom. My husband was on the way to the bathroom and turned around and came back because it was just like this kid was screaming. Yeah, and like you would never go up to a dad or a mom in that moment and say you know what enjoy Enjoy this this is not going to last forever someday he's not going to do this you know it's only in those moments that you really see that bring you back to those memories that are and that's the
2: point you speak about motherhood being like a pilgrimage yeah Uh, what what do you mean by that what's the benefit of viewing it in that way
1: yeah that's sort of the framework for this book it comes from psalm 84 Um, It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And I love that phrase because I think um, a pilgrimage can be described as a long trip, a long journey with a spiritual significance. And I think that's a great definition of motherhood and parenting. So it's to set our hearts on pilgrimage. It's to hold the long view, to know that this is a lifelong journey. Um, We expect hills and valleys. We expect good seasons and hard seasons. And I think there's also just this intentionality and purpose when our hearts are set on the journey. You yeah.
2: Know? And I'm sure you resonate when I mentioned that. And the book talks about that idea of seasons. Like mm-hmm. you may not enjoy every moment, but yeah. the seasons, when you, especially when you look back, are going to be rewarding. Mm-hmm. But it's taking the whole thing in account, right? Yeah. And when you're in the middle of it, It's like trying to see the forest through the trees, right? It's going, I I cannot believe I'm ever going to look back on this and think, wow, this was fun. Yeah. So speak to the season attitude. How do you develop that attitude to be seasonally minded and in the moment maybe have some amnesia if it's necessary?
1: One of the things I like to think about is holding the long view, you know, because certainly enjoy the really great seasons. And I think if we had a magic remote control, we would want to pause, On some of those moments that are just like you said, or or just pause and like enjoy them or rewind back to when your baby was sleeping on your chest every night. But then we want to fast forward through some really hard seasons. So um, I like to think about zooming the lens back out, like on your phone when you zoom in to see someone's face or words more clearly. I think we can get overwhelmed in the moments, but if we zoom out it, for me, it's helpful because it reminds me, like, I don't have to fix all the problems today. Yeah. Well, I don't have to figure everything out right now or have all the answers. And so
2: encouraging. I think particularly to moms. You've kind of written this directly at the mom's yes. heart, which is yeah. good. You, you experienced a difficult time when your mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and that mm-hmm. that kind of put things into perspective, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So what what was that like going through that? What did it speak to you uh, you know so often you know we're the adult children that are kind of in the warm up the batters warm up circle, right yeah. We're not at the plate yet, and when something like that happens, then all of a sudden you are at the plate of life, yeah, you're the one swinging at the pitches now when you lose your parents, yeah, what happened for you?
1: That was such a difficult season, and I just the helplessness of just not being able to to fix or change the situation um. And that was a time I really. I told my friends if I could just fast forward. I didn't want to see her suffer. Yeah, I didn't want to see her die. And I just said if I could just skip it all and go to the funeral, I would. Mm. And it sounded terrible to admit that, but I didn't want to go through what was right in front of me. And what I found was that as I just stayed in those moments, there were some gifts of time with her. Um, friends who came alongside and walked with me and god 's presence you know we don 't like to go through the valley, but that 's most often when we experience god 's um, presence and his peace, and we come to trust him more so mm. and I know moms who are in a valley right now with their kids with in you know in parenting. And it's the same thing. And we just wish we could fast forward and skip over the hard stuff. You
2: know, it's so important because I think sometimes as Christians, yeah, we think God will just transport us forward and we don't need to feel that pain. Mm -hmm. But there is purpose in that pain. Yeah. But that's a hard one to kind of rectify, I think. If God really loved us, maybe he wouldn't let us feel that pain. Right. But that's not what life is about typically.
1: Right. And again, that perspective to come back to, this is a lifelong Pilgrimage, you know, and some of us are planting seeds right now that we may not see fruit for a while. You know, it can be kind of a lonely road. It can be a weary journey, you know, as moms um, and dads too, like just as parents.
2: Yeah, it's so true. There's another platitude that you mention in the book, and I love that. You know, stop and think about what we're saying to each other. Yeah, it's such a good practice. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes yeah. we say silly things to one another. Yeah, but uh, this one is about a mother's love being pure and selfless.
1: Yes, which I think
2: it sounds good.
1: Yeah. It does, and I think we hear it in different way. I heard it, um, I was in a um, at a table with some other women. It was at a women's Bible study, and one of the women was, I think she was thinking about her mom and her grandma who were not with her anymore, and she said this, and I think if I'd been drinking my coffee, I would have choked on it because when she said, you know, a mother's love is the only love that is totally pure and selfless, and some of the other women agreed, and I just thought, like, I would never say that. I know and, myself and too well. what caught your attention with that? Just maybe the, um, the way we idealize our own mothers and grandmothers huh. and only remember, we reminisce about only the good. Um, but also for just maybe we're a little bit deceived in thinking that we as mothers, Our love is always going to be totally pure and selfless because it can look like on the outside a mom is doing everything for her kids. But what Mm. you might not know is that sometimes we might be so uncomfortable with our kids being upset with us that we just do whatever we can to make them happy. Or maybe we don't like to see them go through hard times, so we want to step in and rescue or try to fix. Our motives are not always pure and selfless.
2: You know, it's interesting because even saying it, it sounds like I'm describing God's love.
1: Yes. And his (laughs) love is is, the only love that's pure and selfless. Yeah.
2: I think his is is. the only one that's pure. But having
1: said that, I think a mother's love is definitely special.
2: It's in the And moms are
1: irreplaceable. Yeah. But I think we have to be real about our own brokenness and... You know, the times that our motives are not pure.
2: Yeah. In looking at the book and getting ready to talk with you about this, the one thing that caught my attention was your honesty about your anger. Yeah. And your daughter Kate and some of the interactions you would have as a mom and how you had to kind of uh, figure out what was going on. So describe that anger, where it was coming from, and what you were learning with this, "Ah, these eruptions that would occur. And I'm sure a lot of moms will identify
1: with this. Yes. So I remember the first time I got angry with my firstborn, Kate, and she, I wasn't angry with her. I got, I lost it in front of her. She was six months old. She had gotten an ear infection and i thought it was my fault. And I know that doesn't make sense, but moms feel guilty about everything. right? So I thought I had done something, you know, and I had my pediatrician telling me, give her an antibiotic. My chiropractor was saying, don't give her an antibiotic. And I just was pressuring myself so much to do the right thing. So I decided to give her the medicine. She was in a bouncy seat and I tipped the spoon up to pour it into her mouth. And she just turned her head and spit it all out. And I just lost it. That was like the last thread for she me didn't like and the she didn't like it but now i'm like <laughs> do i give her another dose you know she's crying she needs this medicine but she won't take it i felt like a failure. I felt really scared that I wasn't doing a good job. And I I walked into the kitchen. She was right there and I saw this frying pan on the stove and there was like some scrambled eggs in it from the morning. It just made me so mad. And I I took it, I threw it in the sink and I slammed a door and I was kind of yelling. And then I saw her out of the corner of my eye and she was just looking at me. Like like, what's going on? Wide-eyed, alarmed. And then I started to cry because I felt so guilty. And I thought, I went and picked her up and I thought, Um, she's so young she won't remember this and I'll never do it again and of course I I wasn't able to never do it again over and over as the kids were you know pushing buttons pushing buttons saying no and so fast forward 16 years and now her and I are butting heads quite a bit and there was one moment where I had um, left her room and I was so angry I slammed her door really hard and a frame fell off her wall a picture frame a picture frame and um you know, she kind of yelled from inside, you know, you my frame fell down. I came in, I apologized. I said, I'm so sorry. That was wrong. I won't ever do that again. And then a few months later, we had a fight that was even worse. And as soon as I left her room and that door left my fingers, I just was filled with so much regret. And I just waited for the door to slam. I waited to see if the frame would crash to the floor again. And it did. And she yelled, this time you broke my frame. And that was a pivotal moment for me because I just, that verse, um, James one twenty says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Mm. That verse came to my mind and I thought, it doesn't give me what I want either. Huh. I want a connected, loving, healthy relationship with my daughter and my anger is getting in the way of that. So I began to really do some personal growth work and look at um, what was under the anger. It was usually fear Right. You know, that was driving my anger. And um, I saw a counselor for it. I opened up with some friends. I asked people to kind of help me unpack what was... At the core of that.
2: And you got there.
1: And I began to be see fruit then yeah. grow out of that season.
2: Yeah, I think that the guilt attitude, I've often said this here in the studio when we're talking with a mom or a wife, women have an incredible capacity to own guilt. Yeah. I mean, I think men were so egotistical, generally, we're like, ah, it's the other guy's fault. It's never our fault, and women, it's just always their fault. Yeah, it, it's an interesting way that we're wired. Mm-hmm. Generally, I'm sure there's going to be the 80 20 rule, and if you don't fit that, I get it. But generally, um, moms carry a lot of guilt. You had a yeah. friend, Trisha, who I think she had a super reader day with her child, yeah, and it kind of exemplified that mommy guilt. What happened?
1: Yeah, she told me the story, um, and I thought, every mom needs to hear this. So her son, uh, Jack, was in first grade, and she went to pick him up from school one day, and she overhears another mom talking about how excited her daughter had been to go to school that day for Super Reader Day. (laughs) And Trisha's heart just kind of sank because she forgot to send him to school with his favorite book, his stuffed animal and um I think they're supposed to bring a blanket to <laughs> right. this
2: is a terrible
1: parenting and so failure so she is just and I've been there I think most moms <laughs> listening would say yes you have a moment like that Um so anyway, when he came out, she just right away said, I'm so sorry, I forgot to pack your stuff. And But he was okay. He said, I was really disappointed and kind of confused when I opened my backpack and didn't see what I needed. And I went to my teacher, and I just said, I don't know what to do. And so she had an extra bookshelf where he That's could That's a good teacher. That's a very good teacher, yes. <laughs> um, and she had extra stuffed animals, so he chose a book from her shelf and stuffed animal. He sat in the gym and he read and he said it was a great day. Yeah. And I just thought, moms need to hear this because he didn't fall apart. It didn't right. ruin his day that she had made a mistake. We're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We are not perfect. And um, there's actually um, something I came across recently. It's a concept called the good enough mother. And it's from a a doctor from the 1950s, a British doctor. And um, he observed mothers and babies, thousands of mothers and babies, and found that babies and children actually benefit when their mothers fail them in tolerable ways on a consistent basis. Right. <laughs> like, this is the best <laughs> news ever because it prepares, be them, it prepares them to live in the real world. Yeah.
0: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
1: Financial Moments
0: with Tom Copeland.
3: In the parable of the tower, Christ admonished us to plan ahead, which means we need to save for future needs. In order to save for future needs, it is necessary to develop and implement a budget to ensure that you regularly spend less than you earn so that you have a monthly surplus. Some future expenses, such as automobile and house repairs, automobile replacement, children's education, and retirement, will all have to be estimated. Nevertheless, it is generally possible to estimate and save for these future needs. How much do you need to save? Form number three of the Copeland Budgeting System, available from biblefinance.org, provides a tool for estimating the required monthly savings to meet future expenses. Saving is biblical. Proverbs 21 and 20 says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. In summary, you need to develop and implement a budget to ensure that you have sufficient savings for future needs.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: Becky, let me ask you, it's a very sensitive uh, question, but you have it in your book, and I want people to hear your heart on this, especially moms and wives. But you also had a miscarriage, Mm -hmm. and you talked in the book about how much guilt you had from that. Like, what did I do that caused my baby to not survive. Mm-hmm. That again is such a powerful illustration of that burden that women have mm-hmm. about guilt. Yeah. So ha- play that out, talk about that and then what did you do to become less guilty of those feelings?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, we lost our first baby 3 months into the pregnancy and I mean, I asked the doctor she finally said to me, Becky, you have asked me this in many different ways, wow. many different times, what you did. There's nothing that you did to cause this, and there's nothing that you could have done to prevent it. Yeah. And it was really hard for me because I think we want to know like what went wrong, and right. we want to blame somebody, so we blame ourselves. And this whole thing of mom guilt, I I knew that this would strike a chord with moms, and so I asked on social media a couple questions, and I got responses that I put a lot of them in the book. But I asked, what kinds of things do you feel guilty about and what does it sound like in your head? And several moms were sort of this false guilt, which is what I just described. It's like we feel guilty for things we do not have control over. So some women said, I feel guilty because I can't provide a sibling for my only child. So there it's that infertility Mm -hmm. guilt of just and you don't have control over that you know yeah. and then there is true guilt which is a good thing we mess up we fail there's a specific offense we know what to do to move forward we apologize we do the repair work and then i saw this sneaky progression from guilt into shame where where guilt is about what i did but shame became like who i am as a person so the moms loop you hear in yeah your head. moms would say you know not just i messed up and i yelled at my kid and i had to apologize but i am a horrible mother My kids deserve better than to have a mom like me. That's a shame. And so I think it's really helpful to, when we're feeling guilt, to be able to identify like, pick one of those. Is this false guilt? Something I don't have control over, but I'm taking responsibility for it. Is it true guilt that I need to take an action, or is this shame? And the answer for all of it is grace. You know, it's the grace of God that heals us and forgives us. And but it's
2: such a hard thing for many people. But since we're zeroing in on moms particularly, it's a hard thing for moms to Mm -hmm. really forgive themselves and to have grace for themselves. Mm -hmm. Because I what I witnessed in so many women is their fear goes up especially with parenting Mm -hmm. especially in the teen years and the way that they compensate for that fear is to try to gain more control of their teen and that typically is a bad equation because the teen is trying to become independent in their thinking you want them to be within the boundaries morally, spiritually but things are happening in those teen years and how does a woman Get a hold of the fact that she's not in control. Yeah. And men have the same struggle. Mm -hmm. I mean, generally, we as parents aren't in control. I had the blessing of my oldest son just saying it to me Dad, you can't control me.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it was brutally Mm -hmm. honest. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he's right.
1: Yeah oh i i mean i've I relate to that so much. My youngest is getting ready to go to college, and I took her out for dinner recently, thinking you know I just want to like what haven't I said, and what have I said enough? Have I done enough and we're at dinner, and i'm saying asking her certain questions, and she looked at me and said. It almost feels kind of like what your son said, you know, you've taught me my whole life and now you have to let me make my own decisions. That's really what he
2: was saying. And so,
1: but she said, it's almost like you're trying to prevent me from doing anything wrong by telling me everything that I might do. I mean, it was just, she said, I think you're trying to control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, wow. I Somebody, mean, uh, somebody shared the you, the you know the goodbye and, uh, you know, use your brain, drive yeah. safely, and somebody oh, yeah. shouted, don't forget to breathe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously? I, I'm yes. going to forget to breathe? Let me ask you another platitude that you identified in the book, which I thought was funny, is being a mom is the hardest job in the world. Yes. I think there's some
1: truth to we that. We love this one. I think we are very like emotionally attached to this. It comes from a place of moms needing validation. Right. We need that validation. But, you know, and I used to love this with my kids were little. And then over the years, as I've thought more about it, here's what the direction I go with it is just, if it is the hardest, first of all, we can't quantify that. Being a dad is also hard. And we can't quantify whose job is harder. But I think what is true is that, did God set it up that way? Does he want moms to have the hardest job in the world? Or are we doing things that make our job harder than what he intends for it to be. And it's exactly what you're talking about. If I'm trying to control or I am plagued with guilt or I'm comparing myself to other moms or I'm trying to be perfect, these are like burdens that make our role as a mom so much harder so i really come from this just from a place of i think god desires us to live in freedom
2: you know I, it makes me think of that wonderful scripture says my the lord saying to us my burden is easy my yoke yes, is light
1: exactly that can add guilt yeah. to a mom
2: Right? Why am I I not feeling that? Yeah. Why am I feeling like it's so heavy, Lord? Exactly. How do you process that as a Well, I have
1: that here in my notes, and I love the translation of the message version of that, where Jesus says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And that speaks so much to me, because I burden myself. All the time with so many of these things that God is not putting on me. I am carrying burdens that He didn't intend for me to carry. So, yes, being a mom is hard, um, but I think that God wants to lift our burdens and He doesn't mean for us to carry. And I I think this
2: time has flown by, Becky, but I think right at the end here, the right question is to say, okay. So if I'm living in that place as a mom, I feel that guilt is rolling into shame. I do feel like it's a heavy burden. I'm not enjoying every minute when all the other moms are saying, enjoy every minute.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what do I do? How do I, what, you know, you got a, a minute and a half okay, <laughs> <laughs> to tell me, okay, yeah. uh, here's some things I could do or think differently about.
1: Yeah. I think it goes back to perspective. A couple of things. One is really understanding how God can use Even our weaknesses and our failures for good in our kids' lives. He's shaping us. He's shaping them. He's not asking us to be perfect. And remembering that we're partnering with Him, it's His work. You know, we say God loves our kids even more than we do. And I'm in a season now where I'm having to confront (laughs) do I really believe that? The
2: 20 somethings. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, like, do I really believe that? And if I do, then I want to partner with Him and trust Him that He is doing the work. And I get to partner with him as opposed to it's all up to me.
2: And that's so freeing. And I, yeah. I do think moms trust that the Lord will build that resiliency into your kids. You don't have to be everything all the time and let God take control. Yes, It's so good. And, and Becky, your book, Enjoy Every Minute and Other Ridiculous Things We Say to Moms. I love it. And I love your honesty with it all, too. I mean, that's so good to see and to read. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you so much.
2: And for the listener and for the viewer, uh, all I could say is this is one of those resources you really want to get into your hands. I mean, I I can't think of a more encouraging book that husbands should probably be buying and saying, (laughs) honey, we need to go through this or you need to read this. And uh, I hope you'll get a copy right here from Focus on the Family because when you do, you support the ministry.
3: Mm
0: Donate generously as you can when you call 800-the letter A in the word family or stop by focusonthefamily.ca for all the details. Have a fantastic weekend and join us again on Monday as we hear from Natasha Crane. She'll have tips on how to raise your children to be strong believers. So I was a Christian through and through, but I did not know how to answer those questions. Mm. And it bothered me a lot because I realized that my kids were growing up in such a different world than the one in which I grew up. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.